you like to know the key that unlocks everything in the kingdom? Yes. Yes. Are you sure about that? Because I'd like to talk to you about that this morning. The key that unlocks everything in the kingdom. As you know, I, uh, I'm a new covenant guy. Yes. Praise God. And as a New Covenant guy, everything I'm going to speak to you is about New Covenant truth. Because I lived in the era of the New Covenant. The Old Covenant just passed away. Yes. So what you're going to hear from me has nothing to do with the Old Covenant. Yes. It would be like trying to function in something that doesn't exist anymore and expecting it to render the fruit that I need to have in the now. You know, if you had an old jalopy car with no wheels on it sitting up on center blocks in your front yard, you'd be a redneck for one. <laughs> Second, um, if you thought that that car was going to take you anywhere, you'd be a fool. Right? That car is not useful to you anymore. It's not, it, its purpose is spent and gone. It's outlived its purpose. It's, it's, it's not going to take you where you need to go. And that's the way it is when Christians try to live in this present time under Old Covenant ideology. It can't take you where you're meant to go in the kingdom. You know, if you have your Bible with you, in Matthew eleven thirteen, there's an interesting statement there. In Matthew eleven thirteen, And the statement is very simple. Jesus is the one who's speaking it. And he says, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Speaking of John the Baptist. All the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Now, history records a 400 year span of time that they refer to as the period of silence. I don't know how many of you have heard of that. But that's, that's referred to. There's a gap where Malachi, the final prophet of the Old Testament, that when he's uttered his last, there's 400 years from that last prophet to the time of the Messiah showing up. And we come to the New Testament. They call it the period of silence. It's a time with no open word from God for his people Israel through a notable prophet. How do you know? Because the noble prophets, the Holy Spirit made sure that there was records of what they spoke. It was kept record, recorded. There was no notable prophets being recognized in that span of time. So that leads me to believe that Jesus is saying that the law remained in place, of course. And the words already spoken by the recognized prophets stood firm as well. But why would Jesus say that they spoke until John? Why the word until? There's something implied there, is there not? Yes. Is it possible that Jesus was saying the authority of these voices and their time of operation was coming to an end? Yes. Look at how it's recorded in Luke 16, 16. In Luke 16, 16, Jesus says the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. 
and everyone is pressing into it. In Matthew eleven twelve, the the verse that would have preceded the one we read today, verse thirteen, it says, "And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force." There's something that drastically changed when Jesus arrives on the scene. So much so that to embrace the promise of what Jesus spoke would cause great tension due to the resistance and rejection of it by those in authority. Why? They're in authority under the Old Covenant. If the Old Covenant's going away, their position is leaving. Right. Come on. The law of Moses, which contained the details of the covenant, along with the Ten Commandments, which were the backbone of Israel being a kingdom, identified Israel as being the chosen people of God. But Jesus wasn't promoting Israel. He was preaching the kingdom of God. And people were pressing into it. Now John, as a prophet was doing something vastly different himself as a precursor to the Messiah. John was preaching a word of repentance from sin and returning to the Lord by being water baptized by him at the Jordan. Where was this in the law? It wasn't. It was not part of the Mosaic Covenant. Sacrifices were required under the law covenant. And so when Jesus submitted to John's baptism, it signified change because it affirmed John's practice as being from God. Yes. That's why it makes sense when Jesus says, do so, for, for it is for righteousness. Okay. Yeah. Suffer it to be so right now, for righteousness sake. In other words, John, this is what you were called to do. I need to affirm this. Baptize me. Something is changing. Yes. You know, at the end of the what they call the suffrage, when women finally got their right to vote in this nation, it did not come easy. There was a lot of persecution and resistance, and I mean, it was a hard thing. It was a man society. End of story. And women were supposed to, you know, get pregnant, raise babies, and cook supper, and stay at home. Raise those kids. That's the way it was supposed to work. And they weren't supposed to have a voice in the political arena. But some women determined that they could offer some good input, probably better than some of the men, and some of them have, they, they were willing to take what would come against them yeah. and order that, that they might come, that women would have a right to vote. And that part of the process of choosing who is going to serve in office for their, for their desires in society. The same thing with our nation. Our nation became a nation through what? Violence. To break away from the monarchy right. into the system of government we now have, there had to be some kind of violence. 
Somebody had to believe it was worthwhile enough to say, I don't care how much resistance I get. This is what I'm going after. Yeah. Are you following? Yeah. Amen. So Jesus is preaching the kingdom. People are pressing into it. The word pressing there is the same word that they use in pressing olives. If you understand the, the olive press, the whole idea is to get all of the content of oil and that olive out. It's being compressed, pressed, pressed, weightiness. It's tension. That's why the kingdom suffered violence and the violence took it by force. Now when Jesus points, when Jesus shows up, John starts pointing out that here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Man, that's what? What? Under the Mosaic Law, there's an entire system of sacrifices. And there's a once-a-year atonement that's taken care of by the high priest. Of course, they've got no Ark of Covenant. They have no mercy seat on which to sprinkle blood. There's nothing behind the curtain, folks. Since the time of the captivity in Babylon, when Jeremiah hid the Ark of the Covenant, Israel had no mercy seat. You understand that? Already, the old covenant was beginning. The glory of it was fading away. It started fading as soon as Moses came down the mountain. The scripture tells us that. Jesus shows up. John says, here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John starts pointing people to Jesus instead of himself. And John makes the statement, I must decrease so he might increase. And can I tell you something? John was not giving believers a formula for how to get more of Jesus. That's not New Covenant thinking. How do you get more of Jesus than the all of him you already have? John said that statement knowing that the old covenant of the law and its prophets were passing away to make room for a new covenant to come through the Messiah, which would stand forever and ever. Amen. John, as the final and the greatest prophet of the old covenant, must diminish so that all that is left is Christ and the covenant he's going to offer the people. It's going to prove to be a great challenge to Jewish people to break free from what they'd always known to embrace what Jesus is offering in this new and different way. One of the hardest things for human beings to do is to embrace change. Yes. It's tough. It's hard. You have to fight the intentions of your own self to embrace change. You know, we deal with it in so many different areas. I've worn this same kind of pair of shoes my whole life. They quit making it. Oh my God, what am I doing? I'm now I'm in a shoe dilemma. You know what I'm saying? I can't get this shoe anymore. Why did they change that about that? I've got that car. I like the way they designed that car. It's doing just following me. Why did they have to take the new one and totally change it? Now I don't like it anymore. You hear people say that all the time, right? You know what's wrong with the way we did it back when? We struggle with change. Yes. It's hard on us. 
Think about the Jewish people whose entire heritage centers around a law covenant given by Moses. And now the Messiah that they supposedly have been longing for shows up. But he's not, he's not talking about making the law covenant more glorious. He's talking a different kind yes. of language. And if you're embracing that language, you're falling out of vogue with the religious yes. leaders of your day. Yes. You're going to be one of the ones they call a heretic. Yep. You're going to be one of the ones they call crazy and foolish. You're going to be one of the ones that they ban from the temple. Come on. See, that's the violence the kingdom suffers. But it's well worth being rejected and misunderstood or unjustly labeled by those who are stuck. And the devil will try to come to you and say, you should stay stuck. If you really love them, you'll stay stuck too. You won't make progress. You will not go forward in the truth of the new covenant. You'll stay stuck right where you are. You'll stay religious. You'll stay under systems that they're just locked into the old covenant ways of thinking. And you'll just stay there. Because to go forward might mean they don't want anything to do with you anymore. Have you ever lost a friend because you really do want to follow Jesus? And live according to what his way is. Yep. It's worth the violence. Now the violence spoken of here is not taking up arms. Right. It's not physical fist fighting and all that nonsense. It's in, you know, it is hard to face rejection from people that you deeply respect or care about. Do you not think that the Jewish people of Jesus' day deeply respect the religious leaders? And then they have a religious leader turn on you because you're a follower of Jesus? That's some deep rejection, folks. That's some mega rejection right there. Under the new covenant, though, listen to this, the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. If you read the account in Matthew 11, you find out that Jesus' idea, his, his perspective on John the Baptist is there was none greater. Jesus said that of men born among women, there's none greater than John. You can read it in Matthew 11, 1, Luke 7, 28. It's, it's there. The words of Jesus. It's written in red. That's how you know he spoke it. Right? Come on. Jesus acknowledged John as the greatest prophet of the Old Covenant. Why? He is the precursor to the Messiah. He gets to announce the Messiah. And that's what he was doing. But then, Jesus declares that the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. Have you ever wondered why Jesus would say such a thing? What is it about being in the kingdom that would make anyone greater than John the Baptist, who was the greatest prophet of the Old Covenant? 
He's the greatest prophet of the old covenant. What can take the least person in the kingdom of God and make him greater than this God? Who was there saw Jesus in the flesh. God to say, there's the Lamb of God. I'm not even worthy to tie the laces on his sandals. Being greater than the greatest prophet is based on the righteousness made possible in the new covenant. A righteousness imputed by grace on the basis of faith in Christ. See, being clothed in the very righteousness of God would cause anyone to excel beyond John the Baptist because John was a prophet under the old covenant. Old covenant, yes. Come on, bro. The new covenant had not yet been authenticated because Jesus had not yet shed his blood at the cross Right. To fully pay for sin once for all time. Yes. In Christ, you are greater than John the Baptist. Yes. Wow. Hallelujah. In Christ. Now, you were greater the moment you received the life of Jesus before you even had a chance to do anything for Jesus other than believe and receive. Wow. The instant your faith took you to the place of surrender to Christ to receive new life, you became greater than John the Baptist in that instant. Yes. You didn't become greater because you went out and did something. You became greater because you received the righteousness that John did not possess. Amen. Good news. Amen. Yes. Right from the start, we can already see that the new covenant offers a much greater glory than what Moses brought forth from the law. Yeah. It teaches in 2 Corinthians, it tells you there, in Romans as well, in Thessalonians, in Galatians. It teaches you that the glory of the old covenant was fading and going to go away. That it was, a, it was going to come a time that it was no longer in force. And that Moses wore a veil, not because the glory was so great that people couldn't stand it, but it was hiding the fact that it was already beginning to diminish as he descended the mountain. Yes, it was. When Moses got to the base of the mountain with the two tablets he was carrying, he had less glory on him than when he was up on the mountain. Of the new covenant, it says you have come to an ever-increasing glory. Not a glory that diminishes. It's a glory that increases. What does it increase? It increases with your revelation understanding of what you receive in Christ Jesus. The more you begin to get revelation from the Holy Spirit about who He says you are and what is yours because of Him, you increase in your acknowledgement of the glory that is already yours. Amen. You have not had any of the glory of God withheld from you. God is not up there saying, okay, today we're going to give a half a cup. Today, you know, today I'm going to give a half a cup to Steve over here. Yeah. He's been a good boy this week. I think I'll give a half a cup of glory to Steve. That's not how it works. God says, you have all my glory. But do you realize what you have? That's the question. We got a brand new board back there. We know about one eighth of what it can do. Yeah. It's got so many layers to it, so many ability, 
So many things have been contained in it. So it's its own computer system back there. We haven't even began to explore all it can do. Does that mean that it's withholding from us what it offers us? No. As soon as we understand it more, are you hearing me? That's good. That's good. As soon as we understand it more, you'll experience more. Righteousness is the key that unlocks everything in the kingdom of God for you. And you possess that righteousness as soon as you put your faith in Jesus for life and salvation. You thought you were only being promised heaven. But everything in the kingdom that very moment was unlocked to you on the basis of your righteousness in Christ. Every promise Every miracle, every supernatural help you'll ever receive is yours on the basis of you having been made righteous in Christ with the very righteousness of God Himself. You can't get more right than that. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Not righteousness to God. The righteousness of God in Him, speaking of Christ, speaking of Jesus. Then we go to Romans 3.20. If you open your Bibles there, let's read a few verses there. And let's just listen to how straightforward the Holy Spirit is in Romans 3.20 about this very subject, beginning in verse 20. He says here, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. In Romans 8, it would go on to say that the law could never make anyone righteous. Can't do it. He goes on to say the law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Right. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone is sinned. Everybody loves just to take this one verse, pull it out, and not look at anything before or after. It's a tragedy when you do that. Look at, look at the verse. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God. In His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. And people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, 
And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. So can we boast then that we've done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. Now if God took away anyone's ability to boast about how they came to him and were saved, do you think he'll allow anyone to boast of how they're able to operate the kingdom authority? then why do we always act like when we run into somebody who's walking at a different level of experience of the glory, that some, there must be some formula that they know and possess that got them there ahead of us. Now we need to know that formula. How much do you pray, brother? How often are you fasting? How much do you read? Do you watch TV or not? Do you go to any movies at all? Do you have any friends that smoke and chew? <laughs> Do you listen to any type of secular music? Oh, the foolishness of the things that we think must be done to access what is already ours in Christ Jesus. And so when we find out that somebody's been accessing, but not living like we thought that they would have to live to be accessing at the level they access, we're thrown into an enigma. We're, our minds are just, we're gear locked, man. We don't know what to do with that information. How is that even possible? How could that man move in miracles? And yet he's... How could that sister, and yet... This is why when you, when you get to know someone a little bit better in the body of Christ that you were deeply respected because they moved in the power of the Spirit and you saw them moving in the power of the Spirit and then you find out they watched a show that you would never watch in your life. Yeah. Come on, brother. Come on. And you're like, how? How can that even be possible? You're not, you're thinking formulas. That's why it's throwing you for a loop. You're thinking formula. The kingdom is not a formula. The kingdom is a place of being. It's a, it's a position you've been put in. It's, it's, your, it's your life location now. It's got nothing to do with the formula. The promise of the Holy Spirit is yours on the basis of this righteousness. Because only those made righteous can receive Him. See, if you understand this, in the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit can only come upon someone momentarily as He needed. He did not dwell with anyone. He didn't abide in them. He came upon them. Under the new covenant, he abides in you yes. and overshadows you yes. in an overwhelming sense of his power. That's the new covenant. 
Not only that, your ability to receive all that God promised relies on the free gift of righteousness you received the moment you came to Jesus. You already had what you see operating in the most advanced believer, man of God, woman of God, you've ever witnessed in your life. You possess that. Yes. It has nothing to do with what you do. Amen. Amen. God set it up this way in eternity past so that it would serve as a demonstration of His righteousness. Now Paul spoke about the Holy Spirit gifts and miracles to the Galatians and he explained how they were and always to be received and operated in. Let's look at what he says in Galatians 3 beginning in verse 1. Let's just go see what the beloved apostle has to say. Because he's speaking by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians! Who has cast an evil spell on you? you do you realize <laughs> when you go into the formula thing, yes. you're operating under an evil spell? Evil spell. You're operating under the delusion of the enemy and not the revelation of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. When you start thinking that there's a 10-step process to get somewhere, yeah. you're operating under the influence of a demonic Good. deception and not the, uh, the revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, come on, I'm preaching better than you're understanding. Yes. This is New Covenant truth, come on. Galatians 3.1 Oh, foolish Galatians, who's cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? And he answers it. Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? They got into formula thinking. Yes. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. That was it. Yes. Formula thinking. Formula thinking is what got Israel into trouble at the base of Mount Sinai. Yeah. God wanted to make them a kingdom of priests unto Him. The entire nation was meant to be every single one a priest. But they got to the base of the mountain and they said, no, we're afraid. Because the mountain was alive with fire and smoke. They were scared of God. I mean, it just came out of 400 years of slavery. Yeah. Yes. And probably thinking, where's God? Why is God being mean to us? Why? If God... Isn't that how most people think? Yes. God can do something about it. Why have you done it? Right. And so their perspective of God had gotten warped through the 400 years of slavery. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It had gotten warped. Right. And so they come to the base of the Mount Sinai, and in that warped perspective, they tell Moses, said, oh, no, we're not getting anywhere near that mountain. Right. Mm -hmm. You go talk to God on our behalf. You be our mediator. Amen. And whatever, and here it is, Whatever he tells you to tell us to do, we will do. Thank Give you. us a formula. Come on, come on, brother. Yes. Give us a 10-step program. There it is. Right. 
Yes. Yeah. And so he did. He did. Ten steps. And they broke the greatest one of them before he got off the mountain. Yes. You can't do a 10-step program. No. Let alone a 12-step or 24-step or 92-step or 396-step. Oh, Lord. Help us. If I just could see it written down, what it is I'm expected to do. You can go to your wife today and say, honey, you just write out a list of what you expect from me. You just set yourself up for even deeper trouble than you were already in. Because you're going to break the list. Make me a grocery list. You're going to break the list. Sometimes you don't say, well, if you're going to store get me this, I said, do that text me to me. And give me just enough time to get to the store so that my phone alerts me when I'm walking in the door. No, fresh. Because I'm promising you, honey, if I look at it before I get in the store, I'll not end up bringing home what you texting me. Because I'm not going to be walking through the store. This is why they wore phylacteries, by the way. The breeze. So they would thump their forehead. Saying, remember the law. law. Remember the law. Remember the law. Oh, How'd you like to walk around in life like that? The law. The law. The law. The law. <laughs> Even with that, you're good to Because the law cannot make anyone righteous. Look at what he says. Verse 3, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? And he answers it again. Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Yep. Why is it that? You should ask yourself that question. Why is it there? It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Yes. Well, because it is in believing that message that you are made the very righteousness of God. Right. That is what sets you up for the Holy Spirit. That is what sets you up for the glory. That's what made you a fit vessel to house it. Now that righteousness wants to work its way out of you as you grow and mature in your faith. And it will do that. But you can't make anything happen by trying to fix yourself. A formula will not get you to greater heights in the kingdom. At no point is human effort brought back into the matter of righteousness and receiving from God. 
Under the new covenant, it is not to be understood that you must bring your best effort in order to get God to fill in the blank. How do you know if you're under formula thinking? I'll give you one of the easiest examples there is. Something goes wrong in your life. Something that's extremely inconvenient, very overwhelming, very difficult to swallow, and your mind takes you to, what did I do wrong? And what is God trying to show? Like the disciples, when the tower fell, killed those people. Where the blind man came. Who sinned that that should happen to these folks? Who sinned, his mom or his dad, that he should be born blind? Who sinned that that tower should? What were they doing? What was? Because I don't want to repeat what they did. That's their thinking. And Jesus saying, it's got nothing to do with sin. That either parent committed or these people committed. These things happen in a fallen world. Brothers and sisters, there's a lot of things that you will accept to be normal that you don't have to accept. If you don't get really immersed in New Covenant Revelation understanding. Because you will not be accessing the very key you've been given in Christ to access everything in the kingdom for your life. So, Jesus said, for instance, all authority is given unto me. In heaven and where? On earth. I give you authority. Now go. He said to the disciples, didn't he? He said, hey, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound where? In heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose where? In heaven. That's the major authority. And for them to be able to walk in that kind of authority, they had to get reconciled in their spirit and in their soul that they were made the righteousness of God and that's why they can function at these levels. If you do not settle the matter of your righteousness, your position of it, not what you earn, but what you were placed in when by faith you came to Christ, if you don't continue to believe that you are the same measure of righteousness you were when you first prayed and received and surrendered to Christ, you're going to struggle to access the things of the kingdom that you need to be able to walk where you need to walk in this life. All right. You're not going to be able to get it. Right. You're going to have a lack of confidence. You're going to have a lack of boldness. Yes. You're going to have a lack of clarity. Yes. You're not going to know how to give an answer when they demand one. Because your first thought is going to be, I've not been that great. I don't know if I can really, I'm just going to avoid this conversation. Because I've not been living like I should I'm going to steer away from this conversation on that. Why? You need to get back to the message that made you the righteousness of God in Christ. Because if you'll go back there, you'll find out that that stuff that you were doing that made you feel so unworthy in this moment, 
all of a sudden it's starting to lose its power over you. Because you now realize you are something that you were not before. That is what the new, crea the new creation is the righteousness of God. See, God is working on your behalf on the basis of you having already been made righteous. You can live to please Him by being adorned with the gospel and engaging in righteous acts. What are righteous acts? Well, righteous acts is an agreement with what God says about you so that you begin to live like you believe what God says about you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Instead of being so in tune with your flesh, yeah. you're supposed to reckon your flesh dead. Yeah. Right. That's not telling you to go out there and create a medieval torture rack on which to put your flesh. Right. But that's how some Christians talk about it. I used to know a guy, man, even before I was immersed in the new covenant, it didn't make sense to me. He'd show up, his shoes weren't tied. I'd say, I'd say, dude, your shoes aren't tied. What? He'd say, I don't. Well, tie them. Nah. Why? I'm torturing my flesh. And I look at him, I start laughing. He says, it's not funny. I said, yeah, it is. I said, if you want your flesh tortured, I can help you with that. <laughs> I'm good at that. <laughs> He said, well, see, it just aggravates me to have my shoes untied. I said, dude, this is the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard in my life. Tie your dang shoes, really. <laughs> the way we think sometimes, God's up there going. <laughs> oh, Lord. Giving him everything. He's walking around with untied shoes. All God's looking for is His righteousness. That's what He's looking for. His righteousness. He relates to you on that basis alone. The closeness and the depth of your relationship with God can go no further than your having been convinced of His righteousness in you. To the depth and degree that you truly do believe you were made the very righteousness of God will determine the depth of degree you go in your relationship with God. Jesus said all things are possible to him who believes. We read that in Scripture and we're like, hmm, there had to be some exceptions. <laughs> sure. Because <clears throat> I thought I believed about a few things and I didn't see it. You know what I'm saying? We're always, when we're not firmly fixed and convinced, we're looking for explanations. Mm -hmm. Yes. Saints, righteousness is the key to everything that's here. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 does an entire discourse on what his ministry is. Just quickly, he says in verses 4 and 5 and 6, he says, 
And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Paul settled something. He goes on to say, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And just so that they can't make a mistake about what he's saying, he goes on in 7, he says, but if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, what was written and engraved on stone? The formula. If that was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was what? Passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness, there's that word, righteousness. The ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. You have to come under the ministry of righteousness. Now quickly look at verse 1 chapter 4 of that same 2 Corinthians and look at how Paul says this has affected him. He says, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. Amen. You know what Paul said? You guys, if you want to talk about living in desert places, go ahead. I don't. I don't know that. I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is to lose hope. Why? Because I've come under the ministry of righteousness. That matter for me has been set. It's good. Yeah. It's settled. And because it's settled, even in my bad times, I'm still not in the desert. Because I'm not judging any man, including myself, after the flesh. We know no one any longer according to the flesh. But how? Rather by the Spirit. By the Spirit. If you want to go places in the kingdom, if you want to access everything that is yours in the kingdom, you have to settle the matter of righteousness. You have to be convinced you are the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you want to move in the gifts of the Spirit, there's not a formula. I hear people teach, say, you need to do a teaching on how to move in the Word of knowledge. How to move in the Word of wisdom. And I'm like, it's not a formula. It's a relationship. You heard the young people. I just heard God saying. I heard God saying. I heard God saying. That's not a formula. That's a relationship. Where you actually believe you are in relationship with God and He can speak to you and you can speak to Him and you hear one another and you're able to respond to what you hear. Amen. And when you do it, the Holy Spirit, because it came from God, has a commission from the Father to make sure that you have the supernatural ability to do what is necessary. Come on. And what you've been commissioned to do. Right. Yes. 
lay hands on the sick just because somebody told you to do it. Right. You do it when you hear him say you should do it. Remember I talked a couple weeks back about pinged in your spirit. You get a witness in your spirit, even if it's coming through an earthly vessel, you get a witness in your spirit. This is from the Lord. But then you get attention in your soul because your soul wants to ask a bunch of questions. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But what about? What it is? You heard one young person up here saying, I, I, I was on my way. I just heard I was supposed to go and I'm on my way and I don't get anything until I'm well on my way. Yeah. How many of your parents ever did the experiment with your young children? Come with me. Where are we going? Don't worry about that. Just come with me. Well, tell me where we're going. I don't have to tell you where we're going. I'll just, just, why don't you just come with me? But, 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 well, never mind. We're not going. Well, where are we going to get ice cream? Well, why aren't we going? I want to go. It's too late now. Totally too late now. Your opportunity, the window of your opportunity just went away. Why would you do that? Because you need to learn to trust me. You need to learn to trust that I've only always got your good in mind when I tell you to come. I'm not taking you to give you to a kidnapper. I'm not taking you to hand you over to a torturer. Come on. It's good. You need to trust in my goodness as, you, as a one who loves you. Yes. If you don't settle the matter of righteousness, right. you, you can't even settle the matter of his love. Right. Because you think his love for you is based on your performance. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Are, are you connected to God yes. yet? Yes. Are you ready to pray? Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. I don't want to keep you too long. Good stuff. Good stuff. I know you got things to do. In two weeks, Big Country's going to be here with us. Yeah. And that's the Sunday night men's meeting. Big Country's yeah. going to be in our Sunday night men's meeting and sharing there. Oh, it's, going a, it's going to be a great time. Yes, it is. And by the way, be praying for me. I'm scheduled August 25th through the 30th to be in uh, Columbia. Which is oh. in And ministry uh, to 100 uh, pastors and leaders there. So... Um, and I'm hoping my Spanish translation of my book will be completed by then and I can take copies uh, down there or get them there somehow ahead of me and uh, to give to some of these pastors and leaders. Uh, which, by the way, some, some good amount of books have already been going out around the world. And, uh, and you can help advance it's the gospel. That book is the gospel. Yes, yes, yes. Good news, it actually is. Primer on New Covenant that I mentioned. Uh, it is the gospel. And if, and if you are visiting today, come back next Sunday. I'll have some books here, and I'll give you one for free. Or leave us the information, and I'll give you it. Because uh, it will immerse you in the glory of the covenant that is Jesus Christ. So be praying for me for August 25th through the 30th. That's going to be another time when we're ministering to leaders in the city and home crusades at night. And, Praise uh, God. Uh, yeah, he yes, Lord God. I lost a good amount of weight back in the last time. But praise God, I'm glad it happened. You know, I wanted to lose that weight. That was, that was lose weight the easy way. So, uh, I don't know what it is. Lost it easy, man. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> in the kingdom, everything's an advantage. <laughs> All things. Good stuff, man. So be praying for that, if you will. And uh, and and then in September, we have Chad Gonzalez coming. You're going to love Chad. Uh, Chad is just the kind of guy that you need to experience. Because Chad said, uh, I'm tired of hearing that all the miracles happen when somebody travels yep. and they're not happening in the United States of America. He said, they can happen here just as much as they happen anywhere. And he said, I'm tired of all the excuses for it. So they've been seeing blind people and receive sight and blind people walk and all kinds of stuff happening here in the States. Yep. Right. So, and he wants to come and, uh, and bring that ministry uh, to you guys here. And talk about how easy it is yes. to see people get healed. And of course, you're probably going to get your righteousness, believe it or not. So we'll have Chad Gonzalez in September. Of course, Neil Silverberg will be with us, uh, I think, in November. And then in January 1st of 2023, Jesus had to come back. Great Edward is going to be here among us. you, if you do not understand what Greg Moore is, Greg Moore has been kind of the right-hand uh, man to Andrew Womack for many years. He ran the Terrorist Bible Institute. And then lately he's taken up what they call Army, and it's, a, it's an initiative for leaders in regions to have a fellowship. So, uh, but I've met Greg, and we've met some times at fellowship, and Greg and I said, Greg, would you like to come? And he said, I'd love to come. So he's going to come January 1st of the year 2023. So uh, we've just got a packed schedule closing out a year here at Harvest Church. There's going to be a lot of, of, of opportunity for input. And by the way, you've been already been given rich, rich, rich input as it stands. Um, you have more than you need to be who you're called to be and do what you're called to do. And we just get up here and encourage you just all the more every single Sunday. So uh, you've not been cheated. You've not been left out. You've not been shortchanged. Just start believing about righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you for what you accomplished at the cross for Jesus. I thank you that when you shed your blood, my sin, past, present, future, was completely taken care of. There's not a sin I commit that can take me out from under your blood. There's not a sin I can commit that can take me out from under your love. You loved me before I even knew you. You loved me when I was still a sinner. And you gave yourself for me. I thank you, Jesus, that you made me the very righteousness of God. I thank you that you've made everyone here has put their faith in you, the very righteousness of God. Now I ask you, Holy Spirit, to begin to stir revelation and understanding of these truths in every part in this place. Yes. Everyone is watching online. I ask that you stir it, stir it, stir it in their hearts of revelation and understanding yes. of what has been so greatly accomplished through Jesus Christ. We will always give him the thanks. We will always give him the praise because, Lord, there's nothing that we're doing that's causing this to happen. It's what he did. And all eyes should be upon him, Holy Spirit. We ask you to help our eyes be there, where they should be, where Christ is seated. Right hand of the Father, you are seated there with me. Thank you for all that you've accomplished, Lord Jesus. How can we say thank you enough? Now will you expand our imaginations and expand our antennas receptivity to all that is true concerning and what you've accomplished. We pray in the name of Jesus. And amen.
Amen. Amen. Receive it? Yes. Good word. Amen. Here, you never receive Christ. It's the simplest thing in the world to do. It's not complicated. Believe. He's the Son of God. Came in human flesh. Yes. Died at the cross. Shed His blood. Paid for your sin. Rose again the third day. Say to heaven. He's going to begin soon. He will judge the living and the dead. Amen. Believe stands and you are saved. Confess it with your mouth. Believe yourself. God bless you all. We'll see you next Sunday for a power.